Welcome back to the official Yellowstone podcast. I'm Jefferson White. I'm joined, as always, by Jen Landon. Uh, We've got a great conversation for you today. And a little later, we have an amazing guest for you today. I am so excited for this conversation. This is a conversation that's going to span Yellowstone, 1923, 1883, from a perspective that you haven't heard yet. We're going to talk to Mo Brings Plenty right after this. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount Plus. Campfire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules, then you shave another day off your sentence. Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate, you're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount Plus. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Hey guys, we want to welcome you back to the official Yellowstone podcast. I'm Jen Landon, and we missed everybody. It's been too long. Yeah, we've had a few weeks off. We haven't recorded for a couple of weeks. And also, I'm going to be really honest with you. There hasn't been an episode of Yellowstone. Oh, I know. Or the extended Yellowstone universe for going on a couple of weeks now. And it feels like an eternity. I I feel um, incredibly, I feel like the beautiful world of Montana, the American West, the sort of fantasy um, that I live for every week, in the absence of it, I feel a little depressed. Yeah, I, you know, 1923 might be actually like my first experience with true obsession with one of these shows. I obviously love all of the shows uh, it's hard for me to watch myself as an actor, so I don't run to the Yellowstone, you know, right when it airs, because uh, I have to take some anti-anxiety meds beforehand. But 1923, without that airing, I'm feeling incredibly, uh, and I'm not settled. I'm not happy. I'm a shittier person to the people around me. Um I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, it's going to be a while, but thankfully we have each other. And That's it sounds true. like, you know, you, you've you been exploring at least one coping mechanism, which is that you uh, you went on a trip. Will you tell me about your trip? Your own little odyssey? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I have been coping. I ran all the way to Europe. <laughs> um, I went to London and I went to Paris. And I... Got to practice my French, which is really bad, apparently. I feel like half the time the Parisians were like, uh, you just speak English and don't ruin our language. Thank you. Oh. Um, <laughs> but no, actually, Parisians are so nice. And I have to tell you, I vaguely remember that when I was little, that like them being very all like up their own ass. Um, they are so kind. Which means that the people of L.A. have become so horrible that they make Parisians look sweet. Our producer is laughing because 
<laughs> Our producer is laughing because he is from LA or lived in LA at some point. And like he has moved outside of the county line and drives incredibly far. His life is totally inconvenient. And it's just so he doesn't have to be in LA. <laughs> Scott, can you put your mic on and tell me if that's correct or not? He won't do it. He, he refuses do to it? do it. And he has, he, he makes sure any, this is a nicely flattering description of him. So maybe he'll leave it in the edit. Jen, yeah, I would true. be remiss on behalf of our audience if I did not ask you to A, speak a little French, and B, speak a little French in a teeter voice. Okay, a minute, parce que je parle français, mais maintenant, mon français, l'accent est française canadienne, parce que j'habitais à Québec pour quelques temps, et j'oublie beaucoup, mais c'est possible pour moi de parler en français. Oui, c'est vrai. Okay, I just so want you guys you out there to understand that, that that's the actor that you know as Teeter on Yellowstone. I, I don't know how much of that was correct, but... beautiful French. Uh, merci beaucoup, Jeff. Uh, uh, une, I had a teacher tell me that they preferred me when I spoke French, that I was this like sweet, lovely thing. And then when I spoke oh. English, I was an obnoxious, horrible person, which I think is true. And uh, speak French is in, in a Teeter... How, how long? How long? Give me a fucking second. I... Uh, um, bonjour, uh, j'habite <laughs> en France pour, uh, I know, quand j'en vais en I go fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what I Amazing. actually, thank you. What if thank you for indulging. Perfect French. Like her accent oh, yeah. actually goes full circle and, and it's, elle est, vr, elle est parfait quand, quand elle parle français. <laughs> From your lips to Taylor Sheridan's ears, God willing, season 5B of Yellowstone, the second half not, of season 5. Not season 5B, a, but uh, if we go to season 17, storylines yeah, might 17. have to get real weird. French cowboys show up to compete in a rodeo <laughs> and Teeter, Teeter speaks fluent Can French. You, and listen, it's just, a, you know, we're putting it out there. Just hold on. While we're on this theme, I'm thinking French Yellowstone, right? Like in our show, what we've decided people are shot and beat up all the time like that's just what happens and in the french version they they just slap each other they challenge each other to a glove duel they just slap it slap i think this is i think this is money print it me too print it uh jen that's incredible i'm also so so glad you're back thanks me too i missed you very much selfishly while you were uh on your beautiful journey of self-discovery across europe I was sitting alone in my basement with this podcast microphone, just waiting for you to log back in. Lies, Jefferson. No, that's 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 all I did. I've been here. I've been here for the uh, the what like two hundred and fifty six well, hours intervening. I had serious FOMO because I wasn't sure if you guys were recording a bunch of things without me. So we did. We recorded six or seven episodes, episodes, and then Scott Scott realized. Uh, that how incredibly boring it was. He said something to me in, about, he, I think the, his exact words were, your voice is so annoying Jeff, that we cannot use any no of this. No one's even going to believe that. Because <laughs> look at the Apple. I don't want to exclude Spotify, whatever, wherever you get your podcast, the people we always say at the end. But the reviews I can only read on Apple and all of all of the reviews, Jeff, talk about your beautiful voice. Um, Jen, it is, as always, a joy to talk to you, but we've got an audience out there who uh, is as hungry for Yellowstone as we are. They miss it the same way we do. So for for them, 
Uh, I feel very, very happy to say that we've got an incredible guest today. We're going to dive into all things Yellowstone, 1883-1923, with uh, a man with an incredible, unique perspective on the whole thing. We've got Mo Brings Plenty with us today. Thank you for being here, Mo. Uh, it's a great honor to always be with, to spend time with you guys. It's awesome. I just want to like paint a picture a little bit for the listeners. So we are talking to Mo right now, and Mo is pulled over in his truck with his sweetie Sarah Ann and you are on tell me a little bit you started tell me you are on your way to Texas to pick up horses yeah gonna go to Texas and we're doing a little bit with Bass Reeves and then I'm gonna pick load up our horses hook our trailer up and then get them back to Kansas that's some cowboy shit right there. So th that is, <laughs> should be a perfect stuff. illustration yes. for the audience that uh, Mo is the real deal. <laughs> uh, so Mo, Mo really lives this life. He's, he's been ranching, rodeoing uh, for a long, long time. We had a chance to talk about that last year, Mo. But for folks who are just joining us now, also Yellowstone's audience gets bigger every year. Very lucky about that. So for folks that don't know you, who didn't have a chance to hear our last episode. Will you just talk about your background a little bit and how you wound up on Yellowstone? Um, I was born and raised on a, I was born on a Pine Ridge Indian reservation in South Dakota, but I like to say that I was raised in Lakota country because my mother, she's from Shine River, and um, we have relatives on a Rosebud reservation as well. So I spent time on all three reservations. Um, I moved my tribal enrollment over to the Cheyenne River Reservation that my mom's from because she's Minikoja Lakota, my father's Oglala Lakota. And I uh, spent a lot of time uh, just growing up as a kid, uh, riding horses and started rodeoing. That was kind of my ticket way out to adventure out beyond the reservation border towns and got to meet some real amazing folks um, in the rodeo world. And, um, just fell in love with it and been still in love with it wishing I was young again to be able to do some rough stock riding but now I just ride green broke ponies at home so <laughs> and try it and hope like heck I don't get bucked off and and uh because it's it's not the fall that gets you it's uh, that sudden stop they call it a landing but it's a sudden stop that's that's the that's the part that gets to you and kind of sometimes takes the wind away from you. So it feels like you can't breathe for a while. Yeah. And um, you hope like when that happens, you hope like heck that no one sees it, sees it. And so, yeah, it's always embarrassing. <laughs> Mo, I can't, I can speak for myself and I am maybe going to be able to speak for Jeff too. I don't know if either one of us, like this is how you know, we are leagues. We are so far away from being real cowboys ever. I have not fallen off a horse, Jeff, yet. Have you? Don't say it out loud, Jen. Don't say it out <laughs> no, loud. But... We've been lucky. <laughs> I I understand, but I feel like it's this thing that it like it's it's got to happen, right, Mo? Of course, it has to. That's that's when you can really <laughs> say, okay, I'm a horseback rider. <laughs> You're it's supposed like, to have that experience when you're a kid. You're supposed to have those experiences when you're young. On the show, they say when you've got rubber bones. Jen, we are too old to fall off a horse for the first time. Actually, no, you're not too old because I, that happened to me not long ago. And so it still happens. Um, I, For some reason, my mind hasn't caught up to my body yet. I still think I'm 16. I still think I'm invincible. I still think I can do all of these things, but... When it comes down to it, I, you know, I know it hits the fan and I'm thinking, oh my God, what, I, what am I doing to myself? 
So for, for anybody that doesn't know, Mo also serves as the consultant and coordinator um, on 1923 for American Indian Affairs. So you're very involved in the teaching of that history. And in 1923, particularly, we're seeing an incredibly painful, a sort of very ugly chapter of that history. Will you talk about how you came to be involved as the coordinator and sort of in your capacity now? You know, I really honestly owe everything of where I'm at today to the Sheridan family, to Taylor and Nicole. Um, you know, it's Taylor's create it has this space and he allowed me to occupy this space and be me. And and in the past that's that's was never welcoming. Um, but Taylor's changed that. And, and, um, and, and again, I owe it all to him. And so I looked at 1923 and I knew what it was going to be about. Um, as I was reading the scripts, I had a general idea of it. And I was like, man, do I really want to go back to that space and into that moment and into that memory? Um, but I thought we have to do this. I have to be a part of this because it is, it is necessary. It is necessary because society has almost forgotten that. Where we as American Indian people that have been through that and experienced it, whether it's through loved ones or ourselves, we we can't forget about that. And and so the more that society understands the treatment of our of what had had what had happened to us as the people then maybe they will begin to understand who we are and, and, and it will also begin to humanize us even more as, as American Indian people. There are moments that I had to get up and walk away from the monitors and just go be by myself. And I'm not going to lie. Um, I wept. I wept. And, and then I just have to look around and, and see the, the, the crew. Uh, thank goodness. They're so amazing. Um, and see them and just be like, okay, yeah, we're, we're just doing a show. But for me, it's not just a show. It's, it was our lives. And, and so um, I just had to get back around the good, amazing crew that we're so fortunate to work with and, and share some laughs again and get back into that, into that space and go back. Even our background, um, our young little children that were off the reservations, wow. They they nailed it and it felt good and, and we just became a family unit, you know, with all with each other and, and supportive. We were all from different tribes, but we all been through this. And and so it was even the folks that that the that that played the nuns, the the priest, I mean, you know, um that for me, when I when I meet people today, that's why I wear my braids every single day, you know. Um it, when I meet them. I remember, and I know, but I, I meet them with a smile and, and I shake their hands. I acknowledge them, but I acknowledge them and introduce myself in my own language. Just kind of a way to say, yeah, we've been through that, but we're still here. And here we are together. What could we do together? Put our minds together, work together. No longer judge one another, but work together to make a better future, a better tomorrow for all people. I got to say, Mo, I, I think I speak for myself. I'm sure I speak for much of our audience, too. I also, in watching those scenes in 1923, it, it makes me weep 
it's an incredibly painful history to confront. And I have no doubt that the burden of showing that history and carrying that history is a very heavy burden. But I hope that, you know, I, I, I have been, I have to admit, very naive throughout my life about this history. And I have to say that for me, the experience of working on Yellowstone, the experience of watching 1883 and 1923, I'm going to carry that history with me now too, you know, in, in order to reach, as you, as you spoke about, the joy of coming back together to find this joy of unity. It does feel like one of the steps is being honest about the history. And I hope that you feel that your, your work being honest about this history is an important step towards uh, coming together in the now, in the present. We're so grateful to have Mo with us today. We're going to keep this conversation going right after this. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Campfire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high-complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules. Can you shave another day off your sentence? Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I don't know why this made me think of like, Mo, you look amazing. Uh... It was the Critics' Choice Awards just recently, right? Is this where I where Golden I saw Globes. Golden Globes? Got you know I keep up to date, guys, with the award shows. Yeah, yeah. Either way, whichever one was giving out awards, you looked amazing. No, you thank you very looked much. Amazing. Well, I, I was there on behalf of all of us. I was there. Yeah, honestly, when I was backstage, I was thinking about all them young kids that them, them young boys that are growing their hair long and try to represent their culture and that are going through their struggles and doubts. I was thinking, you know, I hope they're watching this so they can see that it's going to be okay. That's awesome. It also feels like where we left off, where we left off this season also feels like there's kind of new and interesting threats on the reservation particularly. It feels like Angela Blue Thunder, who I I must say Mo was wary of from the very beginning. I feel like Mo was warning Rainwater about Angela Blue Thunder before we ever met that character. So I think that, you know, Mo was right about that one because Angela Blue Thunder has really turned on Rainwater. And now there's this young political threat, Martin Kills Minnie. There's this like sort of political plot kind of brewing against rainwater on the res. So I'm so excited to see the role that Mo plays in hopefully helping rainwater navigate this challenge because it's a unique, we haven't seen rainwater and Mo have to face this kind of internal threat before. You know, and I am so glad that that has been brought up into the show because it is something that does happen truthfully every single day. Um, in Indian country on reservations. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited and anxious too to see what's going to happen, you know, because in, the first thought that came to my mind was, well, I got to z- saddle up Zorro and get ready to drag some more folks. But, you know, that may not be the answer here. And so, um, it, you know, and, and, but it's it's like, it's, it's going to be really exciting to see how this all unfolds. And um, I'm just pumped about it. 
honestly. It's going to be something that's a legitimate deal. We see it all the time. And so now we get to expose this to society and see how it's going to unfold for everyone. Yeah, yeah, incredible. I also, I, I feel like I should mention um, in season four of Yellowstone, as Casey kind of goes on this personal spiritual journey, he turns to Mo and turns to Rainwater for guidance in that spiritual journey. Will you talk about the process of, as as that was showing up in the script, were you working alongside Taylor in terms of what that journey looked like? What Will you talk a little bit about what, what Casey was doing in season four? Okay, first of all, we're gonna be talking about Taylor Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan is such a, He's such a history buff. I mean, he he does his homework. And and second of all, Taylor Sheridan has been with my people. He's been through these ceremonies. He's been, you know, a part of them and helping. And so he knows. And so Taylor knows quite a bit about about our culture. And so what I didn't have to work with him in that. All I had to do was simply put it together in a way that it would show society show the viewers that we still do do this in our in these days and 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 help them to understand it and then also set it up in a way that it's going to protect the original steps of the ceremony itself we left we left a lot of things out um and and we left songs out that are part of that and and um even in setting it up there was clear to the buffalo rope how we did everything there are certain ways of doing things and how we put someone in that particular setting um specifically and and so for us for me from the character mo and and what casey was going through and what he was seeing he was constantly seeing the wolf and so for for that particular moment was when he reached out we saw Rainwater and Mo. For me, how I translate it was that they saw an opportunity to bring him in, to help him to understand of how to sort it out, and and so we created this space for him so he could have that moment, and he saw his own struggles. I mean, as as we all watched, you know, we saw what he was struggling with with his within his own mind, and then it came down to him understanding the difference between his mind and his heart and he began to follow his heart again and so that's what that setting that that scene was really primarily about Casey's a strong individual and 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 we all know the strength that he has and his abilities to push through and 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 can carry on and keep pressing on I should say and but he needed a, a moment to allow himself to be vulnerable within himself and that, that scene gave him that space, that particular setting gave him that space to be vulnerable. And we saw what he went through. Yeah, and it seems like he particularly needed that strength going into the tragedy he faces right at the beginning of season five. Like him and Monica really needed the sort of strength of that tradition and that history. And they leaned heavily on that strength and that sort of knowledge of self to navigate the tragedy that faced them at the beginning of season five together. No, exactly. I mean, when they lost their little one, I mean, you know, I, 
I buried three of my own brothers when they were infants. And so that scene was was very realistic for me. I mean, even, you know, again, we did some things that, that were, were not fully what we normally do, but we gave an idea of the, some of the steps and the processes that we go through in, in supporting um, individuals that lost loved ones, whether they're young or elderly. Um, and the people that were present and part of that was, I mean, the song, even the song, the song was such a beautiful song, you know, it was a traveling song. And so um, that my father and my brother composed and, and created that we could, was so fortunate enough to use on the show. I mean, everything that we do has meaning. And, and it's about those that are still here and those that have made that transition and traveling home. And so it's it's all part of it. And so it's it's just a beautiful life's just beautiful all the way around. Mo, I have a question for you, and I'm I'm sorry if I missed it. When you talked about leaving certain things out, making sure that what goes into the show it is is accurate and filled with integrity, but then leaving certain things out, is that for the protection? of some of yes, those it's the, processes it, it, so that they can't be, um, you know, abused or misappropriated? Most definitely. I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of, I like to say, spiritual predators out there. Mm -hmm. And so when they view something, they would take that and they would, you know, um, include it into their 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 sales package. And so, right. and and use it on people that are, that are truly in search of something in their own life, you know, and, and part of their spiritual journey. Um, and, and so it's, it's no different regardless if it's what faith it is, it's in, in all aspects. And so we had to be able to protect the, the culture um, and, and the, the people that the culture comes from. And so um, that was why we left so many things, you know, certain things out mm -hmm. just for that sake you know um and also to protect those people that are out there that were in in search of something in their lives you know that are on a spiritual journey and and so um because then people are misled and misguided and and so it's just part of what we do on yellowstone and 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 taylor understands and knows that and the need and the importance of it and so does michael friedman and um, I love them guys, you know, I love everyone we've been working with. And, and so everyone's been so understanding and so supportive of all of it. And so it's great. Mo, thank you so much again for joining us. We're gonna keep this conversation going right after this. Um, I feel like you have this sort of wise teacher heart message that you carry in life. And I feel it from you, even when, you know, you and I are just shooting the shit, like it's just something that you sort of kind of, you just sort of give a gift to everybody that you come in contact with. And I feel like, am I wrong? It feel it does feel like a conscious choice on your part to move through the world that way. You know, you're absolutely right, Jen. Um, because it is by, it's about educating. It's about teaching. It's about sharing, you know, because we're, we as American Indian people, we still, 
you know, the, we can't change the past. I know that. I mean, we can't even change five seconds ago. Right. And, you know, but uh, so I'm, I'm working towards educating people. Well, really, it's re-educating. Um, we have to re-educate society about who we are, um, what, what we've become, what, you know, where we're at and the direction we would like to go as, as a whole. And really life's been about unity. It's about how do we unify one another, regardless of race, regardless of faith, um, you know, because it's, there's so much segregation in society today. It's a shame and and due to the fact that we can't all get along and all can't at least be in the same ballpark you know i i feel that the future for all of us as people is is in jeopardy and so i i try not to i i don't mean to just sound like i'm a it's a you know it's, it's a bummer um society's a downer it's not you know there's a lot of beautiful things and we have so much in common uh regardless of where we live with regardless of what we're doing what our you know, what, what we love doing, um, cause we all share the same planet at the end of the day. And, um, we have to preserve something for the generations that are yet to come, not just the children of today, but the generations that are yet to come. And so I try to go through life. I always ask myself this question. If I had 30 seconds to address the entire world, what would I say? And, and knowing that those 30 seconds could impact the world and the people within it and um and so i always try to think in that aspect and and try to guide my life in that way as well you know because it is it's so important i mean you look at what we do on yellowstone it's not just entertainment you know um it's educating it's it's also inspiring you know um and so we inspire people to do things and and so our show is very heavy. I mean, thank goodness for your guys' characters because that's the enlightening part. And and it brings, you know, it brings laughter and, and it has that feel good. And so we we are always constantly educating. And and so if we're not continuously learning ourselves, this is my grandfather, my grandfather Philip Brinks plenty always said this. You will always be a student of life as long as you're willing to learn. And as when you're willing to learn you're going to be able to teach others. And so other than that, you become stagnant and, and what they call flatline, basically, you know, you got to have your ups and downs. And, and my grandpa, Cela Black Crow shared that. He goes, you got to have ups and downs in life, grandson. And the reason why you have those ups and downs in life is because in, it's a, it's a good indication. It's a sign to you to let you know that you are truly alive. Just when you were talking there, I, I I'd never seen it this way before. So I feel like you're doing that thing again, where you're like you're changing me in this moment, just talking to you. But you were talking about the ups and downs, and that when you're stagnant, they call it flatline. And mm -hmm. I just had this image of like a heart monitor. That yep. when when there are no ups and downs, it's essentially you're just you're a little dead. You're a little bit like The Walking Dead. And yep. um, I think that so much. I I find that unfortunately, so much of our days are oftentimes spent in the pursuit of things that aren't going to give us ups and downs because we don't want to feel. But the important thing is, is to feel, is to grow, is to learn, is to mess up. You have to. I mean, you know, that's where it's okay to make mistakes as long as we're learning, you know, and we will never know what we, where we're at, where we're at, 
We will never know the growth of ourselves if we don't make a mistake. And and so it's fine to make mistakes as long as we understand and know, okay, all right, I'm not going to do that again. And so we continue to grow. I mean, it's just, it's no different than riding a horse. You know, if you do something on a horse and that horse decides to break in two and buck mm-hmm. you off, then you're going to know, okay, I'm, I know not to do that with that horse because not every horse is the same, you know? And, and so you have to, each horse has their own personality. And so you have to try to understand those personalities and coexist with them and, and work together with them, you know? And so that's why I love horses so much. They, they taught me so much. Um, in that, I got, I had like so many questions, but I'll start with the horse one and then move back. Um, one of the things that I felt is, is that my life has been changed by working with horses more and I come, you know, I don't have that history. I'm wondering if there are certain things that you might be able to pinpoint that you see as a benefit from working with the animal, like the horse and being in relationship with it. I think it's something that society is missing out on a lot. The more we become attached to technology, computers, et cetera, and leave, leave that other part behind. You know, when it comes to horses, uh, point blank, I'm going to go to to a cultural, traditional teaching. Horses are the bridge between the physical and the spiritual. They are what we consider our physical angels. And and not only in the physical life do they carry us and are they there for us, but also in uh, when we make that transition in life into the next, they're the ones that are the, the, great, the greatest relationship that we've had with one particular horse. That horse will also make that transition to carry us home. And, and so the horse has taught me self-respect. It has ta- taught me how to be able to communicate or be observant and communicate without words. I don't have to speak someone's language to understand their body language. And, and so the horse has taught me how to be a leader in, from, in my own life. Not be a leader for others, but a leader in my own life. Because in, we've been taught to be followers so much that we don't know how to be a leader in our own life. So we end up trying to follow our own life. And when we follow our own life, we end up just following whatever's thrown at us. And so to be a leader, we know how to observe it and make a decision, a proper decision, and and navigate our way through in that aspect. And so that's all teachings from the horses. I, I don't want to take too much of your time because you're out doing cowboy shit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it'd be dis- I don't want to, I don't want to get in the way of that. You, you mentioned earlier uh, a tenant that you live by, this idea that you want to be ready. If anybody ever tells you, hey, you have 30 seconds to speak to the whole world, and I hate to put you on the spot because you've spent about 40 minutes teaching us, telling us incredible things. But if I said you have 30 seconds to speak to the whole world, mm-hmm. what, what would you say? What, what do you think distills all of your worldview into 30 seconds? 30 seconds. Life is not just about yourself. Understand and know it's about the children and the generations to come. And when we can fully understand that, then we will understand and know that we have the power and the ability to preserve and care for the environment so we can pass it uh, pass on a healthy world to them and understand and know that diversity is not just about skin color we have to embrace the cultural diversity 
When we embrace cultural diversity, then we truly are, have the ability to acknowledge and embrace that the creator is honestly perfect. If it's just about skin color, but not culture, then we are doubting that the creator is truly perfect. Is that 30 seconds? Mo, that's that was amazing. perfect. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Yeah, uh, thank you for over. your friendship. Yeah, thanks for pulling <laughs> over pulling on the highway on your way to pick <laughs> yeah. up a horse. No <laughs> Believe me, Yellowstone fans would not want you to slow down. Yellowstone fans are grateful that you're out there getting these shows made. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us, Mo. Thank you for everything you do to bring the Yellowstone universe to life. Uh, talk to you real soon. Thank you, guys. The official Yellowstone podcast is a production of 101 Studios and Paramount. This episode was produced by Scott Stone. Brandon Getchis is the head of audio for 101 Studios. Steve Razis is the executive vice president of the Paramount Global Podcast Group. Special thanks to Megan Marcus, Jeremy Westfall, Ainsley Rosito, Andrew Sarnow, Jason Reed, and Whitney Baxter from Paramount. And of course, David Glasser, David Huckin, and Michelle Newman from 101 Studios. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount Plus. Campfire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules, then you shave another day off your sentence. Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate, you're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount Plus.